Well, good morning. How's your December? You guys town tired? You've been shopping too much? Trying to keep up with too much? All right, listen, before I get into the word this morning, in keeping with membership Sunday, that's what this is, and and so everything is kind of oriented around just reminding us about what membership is, the tremendous place in God's plan that it holds, what it means for us personally. But you know what might be clarifying? Sometimes what's clarifying about something is to tell people what it's not in order to get them to understand what it is. So we have a very interesting and rather humorous video we'd like to show you here that will help clarify exactly what membership is in the local church and what it is not. So I mean, we dimmed some lights here, kind of got some lights up here. The lights up here are the ones that are the problem. Thank you, boys. All right. Enjoy. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select the pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forth for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of the mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. Enough said, I think. (laughs) And that kind of feels like what thoughts about church are are being built in today, right? People are building churches and we all are building them out of these expectations. That's probably not a good thing to be aiming at, is it? Virtual reality church with all those individual choices in it. Well, this morning, uh, the title of the message is Building Inspection 2018. And I'm, I'm tasked with a few things here uh, this morning. I'll, I'll tell you what they are. One, um, I want to engage this moment where we're transitioning from 2018 to 2019. So all of us are in a posture right now that I want to capture that posture. And if you're not in the posture of transitioning to a new year, I want to get you in that posture. These are important moments when we have the chance to evaluate and move forward, to adjust some things in our lives. These are valuable moments. I want to capture that. Um, 
Second, I want to give membership Sunday its due. I don't want this to be a speed bump on our highway that, oh yeah, that that membership Sunday thing. It's a significant thing that we do. These lives, I mean, I stood in the back of the auditorium in tears watching these lives stand before us that are entrusting their journey to us. I mean, did, did, did you, do you feel that? I mean, in some ways, and I want this to sound bad, in some ways you should leave here today feeling the weight of these lives. You know, maybe you came in, got a busy week, got a lot going on. You're like, ah, oh, I mean, the last thing in the world I want is church to be adding to my difficult life. This isn't virtual reality, church. Right? If you're doing church right... Something in you this morning watched responsibility increase in your life just now. These people, you and I are responsible for them in some way. And so we should feel the weight. If you didn't feel the weight of that, we're not going to repeat the whole service and go back and do it again. But you should not be leaving here today with less weight. You should be feeling more weight today. Now the good news is God gives grace to what he calls us to. So don't feel like, oh, I was up to here. Um, hey, God gives grace to what he's, he's given us to do in our lives. And that's what I want to get to today. And, and third, I, I want to give voice to something the elders asked me to address this morning. Um, and, and it probably is going to be in the midst of a lot. So I'm, I'm going to highlight something that they had wanted me to address today in the midst of all that we are going to address. Right? We've gotten to the end of the year here and in our giving category, um, giving is a part of membership. Giving is a part of being a Christian. Giving is a part of living in the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God. So when you get to this point in your year, and what we're going to do in our lives is evaluate where we are. Your giving, personally, your family, your household, your giving needs to be evaluated. You need to set that before God and let him interact with that. And as we looked at, you know, we, we think through our giving from a number of angles. Uh, we, we, we don't try to live within the constraints of a budget as much as we try to follow the Lord into what he is doing among us. And so what we would rather do is not restrain God's activity based on how much you will give. What we would rather do is find out what God has us doing and invite us to give into that. But that's a tricky thing to do. We want to be careful in how and wise in how we do that. So here's the real issue. When we look at giving as, a, as an issue in people's lives, do most of the people in the church give biblically? That's the real issue. The issue is not, did the church do too much this year? Is that why we didn't meet budget? Uh, we try to be responsible with those things, and, and we actually have done a lot this year. We're very grateful that we got to do many of those things. But, but the question I'm going to put before you is not to evaluate the budget of the church, but to evaluate your giving. All right, so you need to be looking personally at, what, what do we do this year? How do we walk in this area of our life? And listen, this is no different than, you know, we just did a prayer workshop Every member of the body of Christ here ought to be evaluating, what's your prayer life look like? How do you fellowship with God in prayer? Is that a reality? What's your Bible reading? I mean, these are just normal aspects of the Christian life. And since we are given to care for your soul on your journey through this difficult world, these are the issues that really do matter in your life. 
So as awkward as maybe the, the subject of financial giving can be, can I make it you know, more awkward that you know, your, if your prayer life stinks, we're concerned about that too. If you don't ever pick a Bible up, we're concerned about that too. If you got to the end of 2018, didn't share the gospel with any other human being on the earth, we're concerned about that too. If you didn't partner with the church and advance the kingdom of God while the clock is running, we're concerned about that too. So I got a lot of things you can feel bad about right now. (laughs) Not just your finances, but the elders specifically asked me to talk to you about giving and your finances. So I just want you to hang that in what we're saying here because I'm I'm not going to live in that category. But I do want you to live in that category because as the elders have looked at giving, there is a concern. There are many of you who are not giving biblically. And there are many of you who are giving incredibly. So that's who we are as a church. And whoever you are, you're going to need to find out how's God speaking to you in that category today. But let me catch us in this moment of transition. Uh, We've got a couple of weeks left in 2018 and oh my goodness, another year has passed. Can you believe this? Man, who is greasing the slides around here? This stuff is traveling quick. Well, here's, here's something I would say, and it's very relevant to addressing anything that has to do with figuring out what should be in my life? What shouldn't be in my life? How do I face next year? What went well this past year? What needs some help going into the next year? Okay, this, this is a reality. I think it's, it's, it's true for every one of us. It's the condition that we live in. We are living in an age where our challenge is the challenge of managing too much. Now, that's not true all around the world. And it's not even true in history. But historically, I mean, you guys read through history and you find there are people who have lived in settings and times where the challenge for them was managing too little. Just barely having enough to get by. Facing questions of existence, not of luxury, not of convenience. Will I get to take the extra trip this year? But just will we be able to feed our family? That same question is being faced by people all over the world today. Do you understand, you and I don't know much about that question. As we go into 2019, we're not thinking survival, are we? But we are thinking about how, how on earth do we manage the chaos that our lives have become? Oh my gosh, there's this, I'm worn out, there's that. All right, this, this is just the reality. And, and, and if you're going to think through last year and then move into next year, think with me. Uh, Don't raise your hands, but do you have too many people in your life? Right, you're a finite creature. There's limitations on you. You only got so much energy, so much brain space. You're only going to invest in so much. Do you have too many people in your life? And a lot of those people are cyber people, social media people. Are you trying to keep up with too many people? You're trying to follow too many people's stories? You're trying to read the next post, hear the next thing that somebody's got to say. Have you thought about how many people are supposed to be in my life? Which, if I make them a priority, then I'm going to have to say no to a lot of other people. Have you thought about your life that way? Never in the history of man has humanity needed to ask themselves that question. Technology and devices have given us the ability to subscribe to way too many lives and then the people right around us that we do have direct responsibility and care for 
We don't know what they're posting. We don't know what they're needing to say to us. We don't interact with them real well because we've got so many people in our world. We have too many activities in our lives. You know, we are a culture with an abundance of everything. There's so much opportunities for us to do stuff. Places for us to go, things to get, things to do, things to learn. You know, there's always something new that we could study online, get a degree here, just read up on stuff, read the latest news. Oh, vacation, we could travel here. There's an opportunity to go there. And we cram this stuff into our world. We, we have too many things in our lives. You get curious with me, you drive around town, you notice a new building that's getting built, and you're kind of like, man, I wonder what, wonder what that's going to be when it gets finished. That's a big building, I wonder what that's going to be. Do you ever notice how many of them turn out to be a storage facility? I'm like shocked, I'm thinking, what is it, like a medical complex, or maybe a, a, a new office building? No, just a big giant place for us to stick our stuff. I mean, just two generations, three generations ago, you know, people lived in little bitty houses with no closets. Y'all ever buy an older house and think, what the heck are we going to do with this place? There's no closet space. The first house that we owned, we had to go out and buy armoires because we couldn't even hang our clothes up. It's like, who forgot the closets around here? That's because people didn't have anything a few generations ago. Who needed to worry about storing it anywhere? Now... You know, got, got a double car garage that's full, got a big shed out back, and I got, I'm renting one of them places on the side of the highway to stick all my stuff. We got too much stuff, right? And yet we're going to crawl into next year and trying to manage this chaos, right? Kevin DeYoung wrote a book a few years ago called Crazy Busy. Great book if you can get your hands on it. He says, my life is crazy busy. How did I get this way? How'd you get this way? How'd we all get this way? I've yet to meet anyone in America who responds to the question, how are you? With the reply, well, for starters, I'm not very busy. (laughs) I suppose there must be a a six-year-old somewhere out there who doesn't have anything to do. And some dear folks at the nursing home who would use, could use a few more interruptions. But for almost everyone in between, there is a pervasive sense of being unrelentingly filled up and stressed out. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Tony Reinke written a, wrote a great book about your phone. If you haven't read Tony Reinke's book on your phone, great book to read. He's written another book that's going to come out in the, in the spring. And he, this is a promotion for that book. He says, we live in a world full of shiny distractions. Faced with an onslaught of viral media constantly competing for our attention and demanding our affections. That's a, that's, that's a great word. I love that word, affections. Very helpful word. Beware. It's like gasoline in your tank. You only got so much of it. When you use up your affections, you're used up. And God is in the affection business. If God wants anything from you, it's your affections. Anything, because worship is an aspect of our affections. He says, these are ever-present visual spectacles. Can, they can quickly erode our hearts, making it more difficult than ever to walk through life Actively treasuring that which is most important and yet invisible. Jesus Christ. This is the world that we live in. And maybe you're feeling that. You get to the end of the year and that's a good description. Do you feel like life is just eroding the edges of your heart? 
It's just encroaching on it. It's, it's stealing your joy and your enthusiasm for things that matter and your purpose towards them. Just feel just whipped and worn out by so much. Well, you know, this past summer, Gina and I got a chance to get away, just the two of us, and I took a couple of books with me just for some reading and both of them featured things. I mean, what we're doing right here, I find the need to do this. I've got to regroup and examine my soul and, and kick some roommates out. You know, at some point, I've got to just say, you can't stay, you can't stay, you can't stay. Uh, get out. You're, just, you're taking too much time and space. Right, so two books that I, that I read, I'd recommend greatly to you. One of them was, was not by a believer, but a very helpful book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Uh, and this is the subtitle to his book. Rules for Focused success in a distracted world. Right, the subtitle caught my attention, if nothing else, but very well-written book, very helpful book. David Murray is a, is a pastor, uh, professor as well, wrote a book called Reset, and we've been looking through that as a team together. His subtitle is Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture. So there are moments in which you and I just add stuff and add stuff and add stuff. More to the routine, more to the schedule, you know, more to our financial bill at the end of the month, more people. We just keep adding and adding and adding. How many of you know you're a finite creature? At some point, you've got to stop and subtract some things from your life. And this is a great moment to do this. You've got a couple of weeks left in December to kind of look back and see, hey, what's, what's taking up parking spaces in my life that I kind of just need to reevaluate that because 2019 is coming and there's things that God's got for me and he's got for you in this coming year and, and, and I want to participate in that and I want to answer God's call. So these are great moments to, to reset, to reprioritize, to set some new goals and, and adjust our lives a bit. All right, let me just give a quick tip in this category. Something really simple. There's lots of great books and resources out there. That book Reset by David Murray, great book if you want to do a real thorough analysis of your life and look at where some adjustments are needing to be made. But uh, sometimes that's overwhelming to start with too many categories. So I'm going I'm to simplify our analysis today. And if this is all you get done right now, it's all you get done. That's cool. But if God leads you beyond this, by all means, uh, take him up on that. But it's a good practice in this world of too many options to just put the first things first. Which would mean you have to figure out what are the first things, right? But, but to put them in place first and force everything else to get leftovers. Now, listen, if you don't do that, you're going to do the opposite of that. You're going to put little, unimportant, secondary, trivial things in your life, and then you'll have to force the first things and important things to find a parking space. And what they'll do is they'll circle your parking lot for days and never find a place to park because you don't have the energy, the time, the affection to give it what it needs to be in your life. So it's a good point of the year to say, what are the first things for me? All right, so if you want some help in that category, uh, C.J. Mahaney put together a number of years ago a, a series of little articles that got balled together into one thing. And you can go online and find this very easily. It's called Biblical Productivity. I think it's in your outline there. Biblical Productivity by C.J. Mahaney. If you just Google search that, you'll get a PDF file on that. You can use that. And it's very manageable. It's not super long, but it's thought provoking. And it's going to pull you into two categories. And those categories uh, are primarily just the roles that you have to play in, in life and the responsibilities that come with them. 
All right, now this is not going to take you into your health, how much sleep, and, and how you're eating. It's not, going to t- it's not going to take you there, but this is a good starting place. All of us have people in our lives that we're supposed to have in our lives at this moment. And in that exchange, we have responsibilities in these categories. So here's the two things. I want you to look at this list with me. It's on the back. You got a little clipboard on your back. Everybody got a pen when you came in today? Everybody should have a pen when you come in normally. But today, I wanted to make sure you had one. So this is your little clipboard, right? So it's 2018. We're going to do a little building inspection today. This is your clipboard to check off some things. So let me start, though, with this, this roles and responsibilities. Before you look through that list and you check off the ones that apply to you, consider something with me. These issues, these things in our lives... Uh, they need to get our attention in a certain way. You've only got so much of you to spread around. When you spread it into the wrong people, the people that needed and rightly are ordained by God to get from you what they're supposed to be getting, they stop getting that because you're not an infinite creature. So you got to stop telling yourself, I can just keep adding people and things and people and things. I can take interest in that. You need to start realizing every time you listen to something else, it's something else you are not listening to. That's the world that you and I live in. There's not a lot of spare time for any of us. So if you're going to be up on everybody who's a Twitter person and you're following all these Twitter feeds and you're into that sort of thing, just realize as a finite creature, there's someone else in your life you're not listening to. Which if they're, you know, the parking attendant at a garage or the Walmart person who waited on you, that's fine. But if they're your husband or your wife or your children or the people in your church that you have shut your ears off to them because you're busy listening to Twitter. You understand? You're a limited creature. You are doing that, by the way. You are only going to listen so much. So once you've used up all your listening, you're done. And listen, I know that. Sometimes I spend a whole day in meetings and I've done nothing but listen. And my wife will know when she knows my schedule, it's kind of like, don't try to have a conversation with dad. I think he spent his listening capacity up today. You only got a capacity for that, right? So you've got to look at these things. Secondly, these relationships, they're both positive and negative. They help you. They discourage you. There's good and bad in them. But you've got to realize this little checklist here represents the sovereign God of the universe has put these people in your life at this moment and at this time. You may not like them. Or you might. They may be bringing lots of positive energy into your world, or they may be totally toxic. How's that for social media? Is that pretty good? Positive energy and toxic, those are good social media words, aren't they? I'm speaking that language. But they're there by God's design. Sovereignly, God has put these people in your life. All right, so the first thing I just want you to do is get your list out, take your pen, and check off the relationships that you have that need to somehow find their way into your attention and your intentionality, right? So if you're here and you're a believer, you are a child of God, a follower of Christ. You are a disciple. So you need to check that box off. It's got to show up. In my world, I want to be intentional about relating to God and having communion with him and learning him and knowing him. If I'm a husband, if I'm a wife, 
And you check that off. I've got a relationship that I have a role. I have a role in this person's life. And I have responsibilities toward that person. If I'm a father or a mother. If I'm a son or a daughter. Let me highlight this one. If I'm a son or a daughter. Please don't do what I did in life. I got saved as a teenager. It probably was at least 10 to 15 years later before I clued into the responsibility I had as a son toward my parents. Because let's face it, when you grow up in a household, who's supposed to be the responsible one? Mom and dad, right? Well, you can grow up sort of drinking that over and over and going again, and, and it takes you years to figure out, I have some relational responsibility here. It's not just a matter of, you know, well, they need to do what's right. They need to come to me. They need to face this. They need to do that. If you're, if you're in the service here today, that means you're not in children's church. You're old enough to face the fact that you have responsibilities and a role to play in your parents' life. You should be inquiring about their lives. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I... I have an 11 year old that's an unusual 11 year old and there's few days that when he when I come home that he's not quizzing me about my day so what'd you do today dad how was your day today listen you have a responsibility to take interest in your parents lives that's just called having a relationship it's not just a take, take. What do you got for me next? Take, take. I'm doing life. I, I, you know, I, I just live here. But you know, you're, you're like the sofa. I don't have to interact with you, but I do sometimes. No, you have responsibilities in that category. Pray for your parents. Find out how they're doing. Walk with them. Care for them. Right? So e- each of these categories has got its own area where you should be checking something off. You know, you, obviously, you're either an employee or you, maybe you employ others and you've got responsibilities and roles there. Or you're a student. You've got some relationship categories and responsibilities there. If you're a Christian, you're, the top one and the bottom one are both true. You're a functioning member of the body of Christ, of God's household. And we'll kind of land in that category in a moment. But, but listen carefully. If you don't put these categories in place the way in which the sovereign God of the universe has given them to you, then your life will become available to too many things and you will live chaotic, stress-filled, never can keep up, leaking joy all the time. And so please, this is not a small thing. If ever in the history of human existence, this needed to be a priority to pay attention to, it's right now. We live in a culture of too much, right? So I didn't put this in your outline, but listen, if we embrace divine assignments and limitations... We will escape much chaos that comes from living lives that are simply too large. All right, now what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to go off into marriage. I'm not going to go off into family and parenting. I'm going to live in my pastoral burden for the church and its place, membership in the church and its place in our lives that that needs to get inked in. It's going to take up a piece of real estate in your life. And when it does, you will have less land upon which to build the rest of your life how many pastors want to sell their church with that advertisement come join our church and when you do you're going to have less time less money and less energy but that's a fact 
And if the church isn't playing that role in your life, can I tell you, you've given away a piece of land in your life. And this is legit. Whatever you've built on there, you might need to question whether that ever should have been in your life. Because you've hijacked a piece of land God gave you to build something else with. So, let me just, you know, for, in the giving category, I'm going to serve the elders here so they don't say, Keith, you didn't talk much about giving. In the giving category, God intends to take up a piece of real estate in your finances. He intends to do that. And he built a revelation into scripture that he didn't just leave that up to you. Oh, whatever. You come up with. No, he actually said 10%. I, I, I want a 10% stake in your finances. And then sometimes I'm going to ask you for more than that. But let's just start there, God says. All right, so let's suppose you're here today, you're at the end of 2018, and you're looking back over your year and, and you're 0% or you're 2% or you're 5%. Can I just warn you, whatever you built into your life with, the, with that money, you hijacked that from God and you built things you weren't supposed to have that money to do that with. That's a little awkward, right? But it is how you need to look at your life because God installs boundaries. Uh, you know, all the, this is true in every one of these categories. If you take the relational energy and responsibility and initiative that you're supposed to have towards the assigned people in your life and you use that up on other things, you are stealing from them. And so they're getting a smaller piece of you so that you can have relationships that you weren't intended to have. Can I just warn some of you, some of you know people or you've struggled with this yourself because you've drifted off into unhealthy and ungodly relationships because you didn't occupy yourself with that which God made primary. If you'd been investing in your marriage, in your children, in the people in your life, you would not have been available for that inappropriate relationship. Do you understand how these things protect us? God steps into our world. Step number one. And he says, I claim dibs on everything about you. And what you got to do now is ask for what pieces God wants to give back to you to use in certain ways. But he lays claim to it all. If you're walking into this church every week thinking, well, that's my money. Really? Can I, can I just break some news to you? If you're saved, Jesus Christ is Lord and there's not a thing that you own about you. Not a thing. So right now in December, you might want to be thinking, God, what do you want to do with all that you own in 2019? In these categories. But just be careful. If you take what God has given you and you park something else in that space, you have a legitimate question. Should that something else be there? So, you know, what do you do with your giving instead of give it to God? Do you buy a vacation home? All right, well, every time you visit it this year, I want this message to gnaw at you. <laughs> I want you to question, should we be here? Is this what we should be doing right now? Did God provide this for us? The car you drive. The education your children are getting. Should your children have been able to go to that school? At the expense of the kingdom of God being given to? Are you sure you should have done that? 
Well, yeah, that's how we afforded it. We just, we just stopped giving to the kingdom so that we could pay for tuition. But when you went to discern the will of God, did you stop and think, if this was spoken for, then God was providing this much for us to make these other decisions with. See, God's been clear about this. It's you and I who get real blurry on it because we, we want our world to have certain things in it. But God doesn't want you to have everything. American companies want you to have everything. But the God of the universe is really okay with you not having everything. As a matter of fact, he knows you can't handle everything. It will eat up your affections and your energy and your pursuits. And you won't be able to manage it. God knows this about us. So there are divine limitations built into all these categories. And one of the things that, that the church needs to operate at a significant level in our lives for us to experience some of these elements. So you remember we've been visiting with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to just grab a little thought from him here just for a second. But if you visited Paul, Paul's got about a 20, a little more than a 20-year career, if you will, in ministry. He, he's got some time that he spent on his own before that. But when he partners with the apostles and gets involved in the church in Antioch and begins to get sent on missionary journeys. He's got about a 20-year window when that's happening in his life. And he writes to the Corinthians in the early to middle part of that career. And these, these are the burdens he has. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is at the end of his career, he's going to sound like a, a one-horse dude. He's got one thing he loves to talk about. And that's why as a pastor, I want to make sure and represent that to all of us today. I'm for your families. I'm for your marriage. I'm for your business. I'm for your careers. I'm for all of that. But as a pastor, I'm going to go with the Apostle Paul here. So my last message of the year is going to be centered on where is the church in your life and in my life? And he says this, remember, to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, a few weeks ago we looked at this. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds. Right, so it's appropriate for Christians to do a little building inspection from time to time. To look and see... How am I building here? Because God breaks news to every one of us in saying this. The Apostle Paul had a unique assignment, but everybody's got an assignment. And when he says, we are God's fellow workers. It's true for every Christian. Every Christian is God's fellow workers. We have, there's a will that we hope comes to pass. Well, you don't just have to hope from a distance. You get to get your hands dirty in that. You get to be a part of bringing the will of God to pass by the things that you and I do that we're called to. And we're going to build. Every day of our lives, we're building something. Every day of our lives. And Paul turns around and says, you know, my work in Corinth, I laid a foundation. And by that, he, meant he, was, the, he was the guy who planted that church and he preached the gospel to these folks. Others are coming behind that and they're building on top of that. And that's what all of us are doing, right? In every person's life, this church, people have gone before us. There are people here before us. And they, they did something. And we have taken that which they've done and we have built something on top of it. And Paul says, hey, hey, pay attention to your building products. What are you using when you go to build? Have you inspected that to see how it's built? Is that thing going to fall apart in 10 years? Was it quality? 
And listen, maybe you get into the end of December and you know, as a pastor, I'm one of the only people asking this question, but I shouldn't be. Every Christian should be asking, hey, Lakeview Christian Center, what did you build in 2018? What was the quality of what was built? What kind of building materials did we use? Is it going to stand the test of time? Can it face the culture in which we live? Everybody should be wrestling with that. We should feel the burden of that reality because that's what we're doing together we are building something together now if I fast forward all the way to first and second Timothy now I'm I'm in the twilight of Paul's career now now this is toward the end And, and just please notice the burden he continues to have his burden is still for building stuff he's still building the church and calling people, whether it's Timothy or the members of the church, to be a part of that. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's been teaching before this. Here's why Paul's teaching this. Chapter 3 verse 14 he says, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that. Here's why I'm saying what I'm saying. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so Paul takes up this concern to the Corinthians he did, what are y'all building, to Timothy and what he was building and what was going on in that local church, what are you building? I'm writing these things to you so that one might know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Ought to behave, ought to. This is what you should be doing. Those are obnoxious words in the ear of our culture today. They are. I'm sorry. Nobody wants to be feel like, like they're obligated to something. Just, you know, we want freedom. We, we want the option to choose that or not. We want to build our own world, our own. We want virtual reality church. We want to click off on the things that we have a preference for and ignore the things that we don't. And then the Bible turns around with this kind of language and confronts us. I'm writing these things to you because there's a way you ought to be doing this. And that's true for us today. There's a way church ought to be done. And there's a way each one of us should be behaving within that setting. So part of what I'm doing at the end of 2018 is evaluating that about my life. Am I involved in the purpose and kingdom of God through the local church in the way that I ought to be involved? And why does that matter? Listen, I can give a bunch of reasons why that matters. And there are some reasons that that matter to our culture right now a little more than others. Our culture loves the entrepreneurial spirit. So I can be involved in the church because it's doing all kinds of new exciting things. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Our culture loves philanthropy in the sense of get in people's lives with all their brokenness and, and, and just help that situation. So... We could highlight being involved in the local church so that we can help orphans and and we can help down and out people and people who are struggling and people who don't have enough money and people who have health issues and sort of this communal care dimension. That's what what the church ought to be. And and Yeah, the church should be that. Or maybe we value relationships, friendships. We run towards the opportunity because this is a great church to be a part of to connect with people. So we love that part of the church. 
And that's good. That's biblical. However, I want you to notice where Paul goes. And I want you to notice where he emphasizes over and over and over again at the end of his life here. What is he concerned about? He says, well, this is how you ought to behave in the household of God, the church, the pillar and the support of the truth. The truth. He says, that's what you are, church. Church, you are carrying the truth through time from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. So it's, you know, in a football world, it's the football. Right? How, how many of you know that you get no points for crossing the goal line in football? Does that confuse you? When do you get points? When you cross the goal line with the ball. It's that way in the kingdom of God too. There are lots of churches in our culture today who have fumbled the ball, but they're still churches. They have lost truth. They are no longer gospel-centered. They are moralistic. They are trying to reform the culture, absent from the depravity of man having to be resurrected and have spiritual life that comes because of the work that Jesus Christ did in their place, on their behalf. You know, who am I as a creature is a truth matter. What do I live for is a truth matter. Who is God? What is he like? What's the future going to be like with God? Those are truth matters. Paul picks this truth up and like a football, he hands it to the local church. And he says, run with this thing. And you and I, you know, in the grand scheme of time, we, we play a few downs. That's our career. We, we might just be in a quick moment getting a first down so that those coming behind us get a fresh set of downs to keep going in the things of God. How many of you know if, it, if, it's, if it's fourth and eight, it matters. That play matters, doesn't it? You've watched that play a little different than first and ten? I do. Okay, well, there are moments in the church where the pressure's on and the opposition is great and deceit is operating in a darkened world. And Paul knows that. And he says, you're going to be carrying the ball through those times. Make sure you are ready. This is how you ought to behave if you're going to face those days. And you're going to be a team who accomplishes something here. Watch what happens. You need to turn in your Bible to see this. I'm going to sprint through this. this. After he says, this is how you ought to behave, listen to what he says after that. In 1 Timothy, this is what Paul takes up. So right after saying, this is how you ought to behave. He says this in chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And he elaborates on that. How many of you guys know if we can fill this place for strange reasons, but people have departed from the faith, we have fumbled the ball. In the worst of ways. But we've got great great social programs. We've got a soup kitchen going on. The Apostle Paul cares about those things. But there's nothing he cares about. Like the deposit of truth that is to exist in the local church. Look what he says next. Verse 6. Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. 
Local churches had better be on their A game in these categories. They'd better be setting truth and doctrine in front of people that's going to preserve it through the generations so that two generations, your grandchildren, aren't clueless about what the gospel is. Have you ever seen the gospel get lost in three generations? Just three generations. You and I are going to hand truth to people after us. I need to be worried about that at the end of 2018. That needs to be something I'm concerned with. Verse 11, command and teach these things. And then he says over in chapter 5, verse 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. See, there's an emphasis here that Paul is bringing. Second Timothy, he doesn't stop emphasizing the same thing. Chapter 1, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. It's just a fancy way of saying don't fumble the ball. You've been entrusted with something, local church. Guard that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Listen, church, there's going to be times in which you're going to go through the gauntlet of the times in which you live. And it's going to pull at your people and it's going to tempt them in these ways. And they're going to want to adjust things about the kingdom of God, about what they believe. Have you ever... You know, you watch a football play, you see how many guys are trying to strip that ball from the other guy? Right? These, are, these are things that strip the ball from us. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lack of self-control. These things strip the truth out of the church's life. Hey, church, you're going to pass through times in which everybody's going to be ripping at the ball. Are you ready for those times? Now listen, this is where Paul lives. It's not the only categories he talks about. He's going to talk about family in some of these activities, how to care for widows. He's going to talk about jobs and and how to serve your employer, your masters back in that day. He's going to talk about those things, but he's going to predominantly talk about something that Christians today may or may not have a great value for. Or it may have a great value for the social dimension of the church. You know, it gives me an opportunity to connect with other people. My friends are here. So you know what I really look forward to? Just, just having a chance to talk with people and connect with them, my, my friends, etc. I know it can be a lot more attractive to be in the foyer having your own conversation right now than it can be to be sitting in this room having to listen to me. I get that. But that gives away a value that's operating in our hearts. Right? For the apostle Paul, the value in the church was learn something. You've got to learn something. And there's an emphasis on teaching over and over and over again. Because the one thing the church can't do, it can get unfriendly and survive. It cannot fumble the ball of truth and survive. So these are priorities. I get some of us might love fellowship groups more than we love prayer groups. You can get people to show up for fellowship, right? 
You can't get people to show up for prayer. These, these, these are priorities are upside down. There's something happening that we've got to be prepared for. So there is an ought to in the church. I'm writing these things to you so that you will know how you ought to behave in the church. And what we did with this ought to is we, we, we summed this ought to up in our church covenant. And you guys who are familiar with that, some of you guys were here when we taught through the church covenant years ago. There's a big framed version of it that the original signers signed while we were in uh, exile uh, in the pre-Katrina or post-Katrina years. If you're a member, the folks that just walked through this, walk through that church covenant. And the purpose behind that church covenant is to bring us into agreement on essential things. Not on non-essential things, on essential things. On things that every Christian is called to live and practice. Because the Bible's just really clear on that. There's a whole bunch of stuff the Bible's not really clear on. And you're free to make your own decisions in those things. But there are some things the Bible hasn't turned around and said, Hey, you can believe this if you want or not. It's something that says, no, you can believe this and that's it. We're calling every church member to be committed to that. To live in these principles of truth, be shaped by them. And so they are radically important that we do that. But this is one of the things that Paul said. Now, I won't go back through this. I'm going to cut this section out. But when Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree. What does that mean? On who your favorite sports team is? Who's the best gladiator out there right now? I appeal to you. All of you agree. Obviously, you know, Paul's not talking about that, right? But there are some things. I appeal, Brothers, you have got to come into agreement on some things. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Right? That's what we're doing when we ask you to sign that church covenant. We're saying, I don't know whether you've even picked the Bible up, if you even know how to spell God or not. So can we introduce you to what the Bible says at a fundamental level? If you are in agreement with that and you are ready to strive together with us for the kingdom of God, then let's sign this together and let's do this together. And let's fight for being in agreement. Let's fight for the purpose of God. Let's love one another in radical ways because we're about this for something bigger than whether you make me feel a certain way. There are big things operating in us. When we sign that church covenant, we are saying this is what we agree with. And we come into agreement with others. And the Apostle Paul thought that was critical that it happened. And it is critical for us today. So part of what I want to remind us about at the end of 2018 is that you just not think, okay, it's the end of 2018, plan for 2019, uh, probably need to buy an exercise bike, uh, change my diet, um, maybe make some time for the grandkids. Uh, you know, all right, that's, that's good. You should be thinking, you should, listen, you should be thinking in all those categories. But if the local church is a silent category for you, I can almost promise you, you have made too many parking spaces available to the wrong stuff. God intended the local church, which, by the way, is spoken of more in the New Testament than your relatives, your family, your job. Right? So I'm not trying to say that's a time equivalent, but it's a priority issue. So if I'm planning my life and 
the church gets this tiny little piece of real estate and then I fill up the rest of my life with a lot of other stuff, you have a legitimate question on your hands. How many of these things are not supposed to be parked here? Because this was supposed to take up several more parking spaces than it is in my life. And to go into 2019, I'm going to have to look at those things carefully. So let's look real quick here. Look at your checklist there on the back page. That bottom section says revisiting our commitments and reprioritizing our lives. So if you were to think with me, you've got three boxes you can check. And this is a review of 2018. So I want everybody to check a box here. I want you to take this moment, interact with God, be honest. Don't be the Christian who never lets God into his heart. Just loves to just talk about topics. And Keith, that was interesting. And you used a really fun illustration there that I remembered. How about get bothered by this? Or be encouraged by it. Both of them are valuable. God could, God could reveal something that was great in this year that brings faith into your life. Good. Or God could say, hey, did you even remember that that category existed for you last year? No, Lord, I didn't. And, and this morning, you might need to figure out why. What was parked in that space? And you can't go into 2019 with that thing parked there because you're just going to repeat what you did in 2018. All right, so you got legitimate categories here, right? So think for a moment. Last year, did these areas of our life, did, were they flourishing areas? Were they struggling areas? And by the way, struggling is not completely a negative word. Struggling means you fought for them. Maybe they didn't turn into flourishing, but you fought for those things. Are they just neglected areas? You know, now that you're bringing them up, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, I guess I, guess I am married. Ooh, um, Husbands and wives, was that a flourishing area of your life? Everybody's got to choose a box. Was that a struggling area last year? Or was it a neglected area last year? Just warning, and I think all the pastors and everybody who does counseling around here will back me up on this. You are not living in a culture that's going to be kind to your marriage. If you don't invest in it, you will pay a price for it. Because what you don't realize, remember the Enchanted series last year? Go back and listen to it again if you need to. I'm not going to repeat it this year. But that stuff is seeping into your veins. And you're married with those ideas. And you think your marriage exists uh, to help your personal flourishing. You've lost sight of the idea that you exist in that marriage to serve God's interest in that person that you are laying your life down for. That got lost somewhere in the last few years. And so if you're not intentional about your marriage, your marriage is going to be hurting. Children and parents, family relationships. Did that area flourish for you last year? Was it a struggling area last year? Was it a neglected area last year? Might consider that a little bit. Be honest with God about that. Those you work for, those you work with, they're sovereignly in your life. For ease or for difficulty, for blessing, for challenge. To nail nails through your wrist or not. How, how intentional were you toward them? How much of relational responsibility did you take 
toward these people that are in your world. All right, you definitely need to visit those, but there's other categories you should be revisiting on your own. But let's just visit this morning a little bit about the church. It's roles and responsibilities in the church. How about your learning? You know, the very heart of being a Christian is the word disciple. The word disciple comes from the the Greek word learner. So to be a disciple is to be a learner. How do you do in 2018? Learning, right? Think back. What'd you interact with? What kind of Bible study were you doing on your own? How'd you do picking your Bible up and engaging God in it, studying that? What kind of books did you read last year? Did you read any books last year? Were you faithful in coming to be instructed by teachers in the body of Christ? Right? Did you flourish last year in learning? Did you struggle or did you neglect that area of your life? Relating and serving in the church, we are called to relate. You can't be a member of the body of Christ without being connected to the body. So there's a relational category here. So, you know, coming into a meeting in isolation and leaving in isolation not exposing your life to others, not having any overlap to where you are involved in people's lives and they are involved in yours. You know about people's suffering and difficulties and you walk with them in that and you feel the responsibility to pray for them, to encourage them, to uphold them. You know about people who have struggled in thinking correctly. You feel the responsibility as a Christian to help them think their way through confusing times. When you face bumps in your life or faith challenges, you welcome people into your own life. God intended people to play a role in those categories. Right? So look in your life. Did you flourish in that category? Did you struggle in that category? Was that category neglected? Building your faith and exercising your faith. Think about that one carefully. And I hope you'll take all these home and just give them a little more thought. Building your faith so that you're not going to live another year with the same sort of faith you had 10 years ago. I'm just as afraid of the same things as I was 10 years ago. I'm just as insecure about the same things as I was 10 years ago. I'm I'm, I'm just as much not going to try that as I was 10 years ago. Really? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are to grow from strength to strength and grace to grace and faith to faith. That's not normal. There's something wrong with us. When my faith level in my life is the same as it was five years ago. I'm supposed to travel through things that adjust it and increase it and grow it and it becomes powerful. It, It brings courage into my fears. I still got fears? Yeah. But I confront them with a different level of courage in my life. I try things I've never tried before. I never thought I'd be doing this. You ought to be, in some categories of your life, a person who has that story. Right? When people tell that story, it's like, oh, I never thought I'd be doing this. I just, forget it. If you'd have known me back in the day, you'd have thought, no way. Faith should do that kind of stuff to us. It should bring categories into our life that we never would have gone there. Except for God gave us faith to do it. Right, that should be happening. Do, do you understand that the body of Christ is dependent upon you walking by faith? 
So if your faith isn't growing, you're not stepping out in faith in categories, the people around you that God has brought into your life, they are paying a price for that. There is a lack of something because you and I lack the faith to have courage or step out and serve or or be whatever it is God's called us to be. Are you praying for God's kingdom to come? As you survey 2018, was there prayer that, that just pushed the kingdom of God forward? That you spent time standing before God and saying, God, not that, not that for another day in this person's life, in that church's life, in our culture, in our world, in our government. Lord, not that, but what your kingdom is about. God, bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Did you spend time in 2018 fighting for the kingdom of God to come? I can almost tell you a guaranteed way to know whether you did that is whether prayer became more confusing to you than it was when you started. Because if you really pray, it'll create questions in your life. Why is this not happening? What would I do in this? How do I discern the will of God? If you didn't ask any of those questions last year, it's because you didn't pray hard enough to experience them. They'll come. Burden. Crying out. Did you pray and cry in 2018? I'm serious. Think about these kind of things because this, see, this is the vast disconnect. This is why so many young people and so many Christians are ready to walk away from Christianity because it's not real. You know what's real? Get on your knees and let God infect your heart with his kingdom in such a way that you weep over things that matter in the kingdom of God, that you're angry about unrighteousness continuing to wreck people around you and in this world. That, that digs into your soul in a way that all of a sudden you begin to realize this is real. The kingdom of God is real. God is real. If you're not doing those things, listen, you, your Twitter feed will never do that for you. Whatever else is parked in that space, it ain't doing that for you. But that thing's taking up precious parking spaces that you need these kinds of encounters in them. The last thing is giving financially. You know, this one is what it is. And, and I think I put it in your line. It's the most quantifiable one. All right, so if I could say, hey, what was your prayer life like? Did you read the Bible well in 2018? You can answer that pretty vaguely, can't you? Well, yeah, you know, I think so. Well, there were times when, I don't know. I, I pray. Can I tell you, if you strapped a video camera to your head and, and watched a week's worth of your activities, you would be shocked at what you're doing that you didn't think you were doing and what you're not doing that you did think you were doing. But this one's really easy. It's really easy. Right? You, you, you get like a giving report. It just shows you exactly what you gave this year. So you don't have to wonder in this category. It just presents itself to you and says, hey, this is the facts. This is what you did in this past year. So, guys, you, you've got to look at that. This is a significant area of your life. And, and can I just tell you, it's related to the other areas because, you know, time is money. Well, money is a lot of things in our lives. It taps into our time, our availability, our activity. So the way we're spending our money sometimes is revealing our hearts, our priorities, 
what we're making time for, what we're not. And so it may be that we've been taking our money and purchasing a lot of events and places to go and things to do and materials to possess, etc. And, and on the back side of that, parking spaces have been filled up with all kinds of other things. And so the kingdom of God's got this tiny little motorcycle slot now available to it. Because I'm spending all over the place. Listen, it takes time. And money to create other interests in life. So, you know, whether you just like to go out to eat too much or you just, you just like to travel, man. We just, you know, we just like to travel. All right, that's fine. But there's a parking space over here for your money that before you make any travel plans, put a car in that parking space. Give to the kingdom of God first and then figure out how much you got left after that. To go do other things, to buy other things, to have other things. And if you don't have enough, embrace the sovereign God who is telling you, I didn't have that for you. I didn't have that new thing for you. I didn't have that size house for you. I didn't have that education for your kids. I had something else for you. Listen, do you want the the postcard version that the world's offering you for your life? Or do you want God's will for your life? Listen, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm perfectly good with this. Getting to the end of the year of my life and looking and saying, God, was it your will that I fulfilled? Did I live my life for your will? If I can get certainty on that, it doesn't matter whether the house is this big or that big, this nice or that nice, whether I got to do certain. I, Lord, I just want to fulfill your will in my life. There's nothing more important than that. And so you can do these things. You can put the people in place in your life. You can put money in place in your life. You can put the church in place in your life the way God has it. And it will change the size of your life. But that's the size of your life God intended you to have. And he's going to be all in that. And you will be as rewarded as you need to be, as fruitful as you need to be, as blessed and as joyful as you need to be. Don't ever buy the idea that if you steal money from God and spend it on something else, that will bring joy to you. Does that sound like that's right? (laughs) But that's what we do sometimes, right? right, Here's what I want to do. Eric, go ahead and come back up. I want to invite God to help each of us as we look at our checklist, right? So you got your checklist there. And it may be that, that... there may be a need for you to spend some time. And this is just a starter. This is a starter moment. Kind of get you moving to think in categories of our lives. What do we do with this? Well, this is why this is such a great moment in the year. You still got a couple of weeks left. In 2018, you you can begin to do some things to prepare you to move healthily into 2019 in these categories. You can begin to look at these categories, right? So you've got roles and people in your life. You're going to need to be honest with them. Listen, so many things flood my heads in these moments. Um, I am very aware that when you give people stuff to do, If you hand it, I'm going to say this in a way that's kind of ugly sounding. If you, if you hand stuff to do to amateur theologians, that's going to be a tough thing. See, an amateur theologian sat through what Pastor Peter said 
about what we celebrate in communion and didn't, didn't get what they should have got out of it. When he stood and said, how much would you pay to get out of hell? Did the theologians go, you can't pay to get out of hell, right? Did, you, did your theology jump in in that moment and go, wait, you can't do that. Exactly right, you can't do that. And then he explained, someone else has done it for us. It's, it's a gift to you. You got out of hell free by the payment of another. You are in the grace of God free by the payment of another. So if I turn around and say, hey, can you, can you look back on 2018 and fix some things for 2019? Oh, no, I can't do that. I just feel so condemned. Keith, there's so many categories. This checklist is like a checklist from hell. I'm failing in all these categories. Well, can I just tell you, uniquely, you get to fail and be drowning in the grace of God all at the same time. Can I just tell you the remedy is to, is to not run from these checklists. That's not a remedy. The remedy is to just get some better theology in your life that lets me stare at my failures. Listen, you don't think I've got a list of failures on here? And what needs to rescue me to be able to stare at this and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do with it? Is good theology has got to rescue me in this moment. That I have a confidence in the grace of God being for me that was never based on my contribution to create it. And that operates as much in the first day of my salvation and the last day I'll be here on earth. And every day in between. But I don't need to avoid this. I want to live in the good of this. And I want you to live in the good of it. So don't be afraid to check boxes and say, hey, I neglected some of these things in the past year. Great. There's grace from God. But I just, what I wanted you to hear this morning was if you neglected something, it's, it's probably, get your parking lot in your head, right? You got a life that's got a parking lot in it. If you neglected something, I can almost promise you, if you were living in a culture of not enough, you'd have lots of parking spaces available and you'd really be asking, okay, so why didn't I park that here? You don't live in that culture. Your parking lot is over full and there's cars circling in it looking for a place to park. So when you go to say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a father. I'm a brother or a sister. I'm a member of the household of God. Those, those are parking spaces. And what you're going to have to do is, I, I neglected that last year. Why? Well, because there's something else parked there. Why didn't you give last year? Because there's something else parked there. See, I get this. I can't just tell you, hey, you need to do this in 2019. The first thing I got to tell you is you're going to have to get that car out of that parking space. So what this exercise does for you, it lets you figure out, do I have too many people in my life? Do I have too much activity in my life? Too many things in my life that I need to get them out of the parking spaces that they're taking up so that God can park some of his stuff in my life in a way that's going to make a difference to me next year. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right. Let's pray together. Let's pray over our checklist here. Father, thank you for another year to live for your glory. Thank you for this precious calling that we have in our life to live lives that that mean something and matter. God, help us. We've got a couple of weeks left in this year. We've got a little checklist here. Would you awaken your voice in these categories of our lives. Do you speak into them in a way that faith comes?
Wisdom comes from you to rearrange where we need. And faith comes to take steps in that direction. That's what I pray for us. Lord, may 2019 be a great year of advancing into new places, of, 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 of existing in categories that we have forgotten about, of seeing vitality and flourishing come into areas that really matter to us. Lord, prepare us for that day. Do that among us as we are a church together. Lord, let there be encouragement and strength together for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Enjoy your checklists.